Welcome to the Raising the Bar podcast. We're your hosts, Emily and Dawson. And in today's episode, we're just going to chat basically like we did um, the last time. We really had a lot of fun doing that, just kind of, I don't know, talking about whatever. Um, so we have a chat, y'all. Yeah. So, like, we just have like a few ideas in mind and we're just going to go with it. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely do more like educational topics uh, going forward, but we're just having a lot of fun with this style of podcast. So, we're going to do that today. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, how was your week? Well, real fast, actually, before, before we go there. Um, if any of y'all listen out there have anything you want us to talk about, like we have ideas, like, trust me, like we have plenty of ideas lined up and ready to go for you. However, we want to know what you guys want to know. So if you're listening to this and you have something that you just want to know or want us to discuss a bit more for you, let us know and we'll make it happen. Um, but yeah, also let us know what you like here. Like if you do like these bit more like discussion, just like chats and the educational side or which one like you want to see more of, um, yeah. Anyway, how was my week? It's cold in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is cold. Apparently, okay, so side note here, and I've been meaning to like ask this on Instagram for a little bit. Apparently, there's like supposed to be a big ass blizzard like this weekend. My gym actually, like the fitness factory that I train at, they actually closed Monday. They're already closing Monday. That's great. Um, anyway, so if anyone has anything like on this blizzard and you hear this, you hear me say this before this blizzard happens or anything, let me know the details here because I don't know what the hell's happening. I'm just here and we're supposed to get like a shit ton of snow apparently. So that's a thing apparently. That's a thing. Um, anyway, how's my week been? My week's been good. It's been chilly, but it's been good. A little side note for you guys. Like again, I'm just kind of rambling here. Um, so I work also at, I work in person training clients at a local box gym. Box gym and like, corporation gym if you will and today me and one of my clients like at the very end of our session we're just kind of like chilling out just like chatting just just chilling I guess and this gym has a balance board which if you guys don't know either just look it up you'll probably get some close to what I'm talking about and if you also don't know what pistol squats are look those up as well I looked at her and I was like so can you, you can do pistol squats right and she's like yeah, I can probably do like one or two of them yeah so she did more too. I looked over at the balance board and asked her, so do you want to do one there? And she's like, there's no way. So I showed her one or two and she was like, there's Dawson, there's, this isn't happening. So eventually like within like a span of three minutes, I got her up on the balance board again. And she's like, I'm going to get like one maybe. And I was like, you're, well, you're going to get like one or two. Like I know that for sure. But like, let's do it. So she goes down for this first pistol squat and she pops right the fuck back up. And she keeps going. This girl who said she couldn't even get one pistol squat on this balance board, got 20 fucking pistol squats on this balance board, her leg unbroken, like no falter, like nothing. She just kept going and going and going. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, she like she set me up and then completely just like blew me out of the water here. So that's like my little like detail for you guys. For, that's like my little fun story for you guys today that, um, my one in-person client can literally do like a thousand pistol squats while balancing on one leg on an unstable platform. That's my week. <laughs> Emily, how's your life past seven days, man? Well, first of all, that's amazing. Like, Dude, I wish, a legend. like, I wish I had that kind of coordination. Like, I'm not like, 
I'm not good with like the functional type of training stuff with like, you know, balance and things like that. Like I will say my balance is okay. Like I can, you know, do Bulgarian split squats and all that stuff. And I mean, you're kind of on one foot, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have the coordination for pistol squats. That's for sure. Like I've tried them a few times and like um, my knees just are very unhappy. Like it just, I don't know, like I just can't, <laughs> like I can yeah, go I down, like but I can't get back up. So it's like that commercial, like help I've fallen and I can't. <laughs> Like that's, that's me basically so you know we need life alert to uh do pistol squats guys <laughs> yeah Shit, definitely dude. not a pretty picture me trying to do pistol squats like yeah <laughs> yeah it's like roll out of them sometimes like i'm just like i i can't um real fast like the functional like training end of things i'm not the biggest fan of it i'll fully admit that but i think being in person a lot, like I do work with a, a wide range of people in person, if you get my drift there. And it has been cool to like implement more of like a functional training side, almost like a physical therapy approach to some things, like a rehabilitation approach to some things. And it's really cool to like see how some of these individuals do progress. Again, like I'm not the biggest fan of it for like myself, but um, it's, 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 it's cool. It has time and a place. Anyway. I would think it would be good for like older people because, you know, for prevention and just teaching them how to like, you know, maybe like pick up a heavier object off the floor and then that will maybe carry over to helping them with like their deadlifts or something like that, just for injury prevention. I would think that would be really beneficial for like older people. Yeah, no, like a lot of it, um, I have a few like older clients, quote unquote, like up there in age. Again, nothing against them, but um, a lot of what we do work with is is just step ups and just picking their feet up to like push, like pull themselves up and push themselves up, as well as just lifting shit overhead or like grabbing something from like a higher height. So it's like it kind of mimics like stuff they do throughout their everyday life, like walking upstairs, walking around, like walking over objects and like shit like that. Yeah, all, all I'm gonna say here is. Take care of your health while you have the opportunity now, because down the line, it gets a lot more difficult to do if you didn't do it in the first place. Yeah. Like we're very fortunate that we both started like pretty young. So like, we're lucky that we found fitness at a pretty young age. Um, But like, if you're older, like instead of maybe like training the way that we do, like purely for hypertrophy, like that might be like where the functional, more functional side of things come in. Because like, let's say you're like 60. Well, I mean, like your biggest concern is like, you know, injury prevention and just staying mobile and healthy as opposed to like getting jacked like a bodybuilder. Not to say that you, you can't work on that too, but like, I just, it's just the priority is different, you know? So no, uh, abs- that's you hit it right in the head there. Like it definitely, and I think you termed that perfectly with injury prevention. That's a lot of what some of my like with some of my older in-person clients. That's exactly what I'm working with with them. Working on with them is to set them up for their just daily activities. So again, it minimizes that risk factor for them, and they can just they're more capable within their own movements. Yeah, yeah, especially like. Cause, um, so like my dad he used to work, uh, this was before the pandemic, but he used to work part-time at a grocery store in the produce department. And he was lifting like 
50 pound boxes of bananas um, from the floor onto- That's a lot of bananas. Yeah, and um, he said that it like really hurt his back. Um, and that's probably because he was not lifting with his legs, but he was lifting with his back. Um, and so that's kind of, I guess, where that functional component of training could come in, like, especially in like a real world, real life, uh, application, because some people like maybe they work in grocery stores, warehouses, they doing stock work and they might be older. And that oftentimes in those types of jobs, that's where people get injured. Um, some people are construction workers, um, they get injured. So like just, um, that's kind of where like the functional meets strength training, sort of a situation where they can both be really beneficial. I kind of rambled a lot, but I think it's still like really important. So no, dude, I totally like, I think you hit it right in the head there. Like it becomes so much, not to say it's not important when you are younger, but you can kind of get away without it. Because again, like you're already from generally speaking here. Younger generations are just a bit more active and they are sometimes, I'm not going to say all the time, but sometimes a bit more health conscious. Like in both of our cases, again, we started very young and we are very just mindful of our overall health and well-being as we progress here. Whereas, again, like as you get older, that does change a little bit where the functional training side of things does become a lot more of your priority rather than just pure like strength or hypertrophy training. Now with that, even health, like I think at all ages, before you start, like you should implement a mo- mobility work, a mobility routine somewhere in your day. Maybe not every day, but at least before you train, having like a mobility routine there, I think is extremely beneficial. Like um, before I train, like hell, even on my leg sessions where I'm not training like my shoulders exact directly, I still warm up my shoulders in every way fucking possible. Is that maybe overkill? Yes. But I don't want to jack my shoulders up as well as like I already tore my delts um, back in the summer. And I don't want to fucking repeat that three-month process of not training my upper body at all. Not a good time. So better safe than start for me there. And I have noticed a difference in terms of like my shoulders mobility aspect and how and the range of motion I'm able to achieve a lot more comfortably and like I'm capable within a lot more range of motion if that makes sense yeah I do the same thing like with bands like you know you like pull aparts up and overs some like rotations things like that Um, and I find that really helps to just uh it make everything feel better like when I'm the exercises feel smoother and I don't have I mean I don't really have like I've never really had any major issues or like injuries with my upper body but um, knock on wood, but like yeah. I, um, I did once have like one of my shoulders got like messed up just because of like overtraining it. Um, but, and just like not having good form, but that's kind of a whole other story, but, um, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad because like, all I did was take a break from upper body for like a week and it was completely better. Um, I was very lucky, but, um, it was still like, <laughs> It was still really painful though. So um, yeah, but anyway, like it's just, I still like to just do some shoulder mobility just because yeah. again, it just feels better. Like even if I didn't have any past of like an injury, like it literally just feels better when you go into your sets. So yeah, no, that's like, that's the injury prevention we're talking about here, except you're getting ahead of the game almost. 
and again, like anyone and everyone who, like I tell all my clients, like before you train, I want you to like go and find a mobility routine, whether online, work with a personal, a physical trainer, physical trainer, a physical therapist, a functional therapist, like X, Y, and Z that can help you kind of map out a mobility routine for you so you don't get injured. Because um, again, like longevity wise, you've got to do this shit early or else it just becomes that much harder for you down the road. Oh yeah, absolutely. Don't it's, be me. Yeah. Sometimes it's kind of, it's kind of concerning when like if a client says like, oh, I don't do a mobility routine, like why should I do a mobility routine? Or like, um, or even like warm-up sets. Like I am like, uh, we have a lot of learning to do here. Get ready, you know. So they say that, but then they can't squat below parallel. Yeah, or everything hurts, like the squat squats are painful deadlifts hurt rows hurt you know what I mean so like that's because like we need to warm up properly um probably incorporate a mobility routine and not just jump straight into your working sets or top set like literally the minute you walk into the gym like that's not that's not the vibe for your muscles or your joints so like (laughs) recap warm up use a mobility routine of some type shape or form and don't be stupid. Yeah. Anyway, Emily, how was your last seven days? It was pretty good. Um, so I, I told you this before, but uh, I haven't told anyone else, but um, I have another job interview coming up for this coming week on Friday. So that will be a lot of fun. Well, not a lot of fun, but like thinking of myself with a full-time job is a lot of fun because yeah. of what will come from that. So yeah, um, looking forward to that. Um, as you should yeah um and then what else oh yeah so teddy um if you follow me on instagram and you watch my stories like if you don't i don't know what to tell you like you're just missing out on teddy literally but um so like my instagram account is like mostly bodybuilding stuff you know nutrition health all that jazz but it's also a lot of teddy because i really like teddy he's my dog so um, he just got a new sweater, like this little jacket. I'll have to take a photo, but um, we actually, I don't, I didn't open it. My mom did. She told me about it, but um, so he comes from like a breeder, but not like a puppy mill sketchy breeder. Like we know the person like personally, and it's very small. Like there's only like a few dogs um, and they're not like overbred. They only breed like once in a blue moon. Like it's not like a like terrible place like it's very rare it's almost like a um, more like natural like we have all these dogs if they end up having a litter together they have a litter together yeah exactly um okay yeah and um from the same breeder that's actually where we got our previous dog um and we got him when I was like 10 um and so yeah so we've always had like Maltese's um so anyway like they're so cute I love them (laughs) but small yeah, Teddy's like, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight pounds if he's like, if he just came out of the bath and just ate, like that's probably <laughs> what he weighs. He's very little. So seven pounds soaking wet full of food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they have like a very unique personality. Like they're very fearless um, and just really playful and spunky. Like, I don't know, something about Maltese's. I just love them. But anyway, he got this really cute jacket. So um if you follow me on instagram stay tuned because yeah you're you're probably gonna see a lot of that so i need to see this man in a jacket 
yeah <laughs> he's so cute um yeah also he so we have him we have like some gates um like surrounding the kitchen because we don't want him to climb up the stairs because we don't know like up to go upstairs because we don't know if he can do it like safely because he's very like little and the steps are kind of big for him so um I have no idea what happened but I was just upstairs um and my parents were upstairs and all of a sudden my mom sees him walk into her room upstairs <laughs> and <laughs> my mom was like the first thing my mom says she's like Emily did you like leave the gate open and I'm like I don't think so um and so I'm just like retracing my steps back in my head and I'm like I did not leave the gate open like I know I didn't like I never would um and it definitely wasn't my dad so I was parkour his way out I'm like I think he just opened it himself I have no idea how but I feel like he maybe just like backed up and then like body slammed into the thing (laughs) to try to like get it open because I've seen him do that with like um a different gate and he's been able to pry it open so I feel like that's what he did Yo. crazy like he's so funny um but yeah modern so, problems require modern solutions what can we say yeah but just the fact that he like climbed up the stairs so confidently when he'd never done it before like that just goes to show how fearless he is and like Maltese's are in general so he's that happened this week so that was great I wish I could have seen it but Dude, that's yeah. funny as hell like he's full sent that entire trip yeah he's so funny <laughs> um Dude, i love that for you guys i need to see him in a sweater yeah i know i'm gonna try to see if i can put it on him tonight if he'll cooperate like some dogs hate when you put clothing on them and so i don't want to i don't want to like i don't want to like pressure him and like put something on traumatize him, him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to like make him hate me. So I'm not going to do that if he like straight up just like refuses. But I feel like he wouldn't though. Like he's usually pretty calm. So he's tame. He's tame. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> it really depends. So he's an icon. We love him. Yeah, he's so cute. All right. So we do have a, I guess, like a discussion point, I guess, if you will um what do you want to like label this discussion point as because i don't know how like how do you want to introduce this because you know um actually i take that back it's really like the main discussion point here is like it's being oh sorry i was just gonna say like different viewpoints on yeah like veganism and how you can be not vegan but still understand the vegan perspective and support it even if you don't feel that way for yourself for like certain personal reasons and you can also be vegan and want to stay vegan for your own ethical reasons or whatever other reason and respect people who are not vegan um and not necessarily see them as like terrible people because you know what I mean? It's kind of like, cause I think with, I, again, I don't know like how you would label that entire thing. Cause it's kind of like, I think I know, umbrella, but it's being aware of different ideologies and different like perspectives on something. So having like having your own foundational viewpoint and pers- like where you stand, but also being knowledgeable to knowledgeable enough about others perspectives to understand why they have those perspectives 
Yeah. If that made sense. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, I uh, think, cause I think a lot of, a, a lot of vegans just like, if someone eats animal products, they just automatically immediately discredit them. And like, that's where I have a big problem because it's like, people are just reacting on their emotions and not their logic because just because someone eats animal products that doesn't mean that they're a murderer it doesn't you know, I promise I'm not a murderer I know I'm just like oh my gosh like I can't okay I will say that when I had first gone vegan like I'm talking like 10 11 years ago I was I was a militant vegan and the reason I'm not a militant vegan is because I used to be for like the first like year and I realized pretty quickly that like, number one, I sound like an idiot. Just like, talk, do I even, did I even hear myself talking? Like I sounded like an absolute idiot because the majority, like the majority of people in the world are not vegan. And like, I just like talking like that just doesn't even like make someone want to go vegan in the first place. Like it's, it's almost like threatening in a way and just like disrespectful to just like go up to someone and say like, like, do you know where that came from? Like all that stuff. And like, do you know what that is? And like the cruelty and stuff. And it's like, I do feel that way from my own perspective, but like, that doesn't mean that I like support it, but I can see that there are other reasons why people might not be vegan. And like, it's not my place to tell people what to do. Like I'm allowed to feel that way for myself, but like, I don't, like, I'm just gonna say right here, like I'm not vegan for health reasons. Um, I'm vegan purely ethical, ethical, an ethical vegan. I'm not vegan because I believe that a vegan lifestyle is healthier. Um, because if I was vegan for health reasons, I would call myself plant-based. Um, but like I live an entirely vegan lifestyle. Like I don't, I try my best to like stay away from, um, like any sort of like beauty products, hair care products that involve like animal testing animal use like I don't wear Uggs I used to have them but like I just didn't feel right wearing them so I just gave them to my mom um so it's like things like that like for me it's not even just the food it's the entire lifestyle and that's like my personal beliefs my personal choice but who am I to tell other people do what I do you know again like everyone is free to do what they feel is best for them and everyone has different reasons and you really can't judge someone and like assume you know what they're reasons are um yeah so that's kind of an introduction of my perspective with that so yeah what do you think yeah so i think going back to it it's understand again emily's understanding like her own perspective and her own standpoint here and also showing that and i was the exact same way when i initially not when I initially went vegan, because that was like when I was 13 or some shit, 13, like 12 or 13. Um, as I got older, I, and I became more aware of, I'm going to preface all this before I even go any further. I'm not vegan anymore. So if any of you guys out there didn't get that newsflash, that's a thing. Anyway. So when I was around, I want to say 15 or 16, when I started to understand a lot more about like the, some of the reasonings behind the ethical side of veganism, that's when I did become, as Emily mentioned, a very militant vegan. I was very, 
pushing on others. I was very demeaning on others because you guys aren't vegan. Like your guys are killing your health. You're killing your planet, like this planet, like X, Y, and Z, all that. Well, that was me for a little bit. And even to some of the people around me. So I apologize if any of you guys are out there listening to this. Um, that was a moment. But again, you look back at it and you realize how almost closed-minded it is and how you aren't, you're only considering one side of the story. And yes, your side of the story might not be wrong, but that doesn't exactly make it right either. And this doesn't go, this goes yes for this conversation, but a lot of what we're going to say today is I think it can be applied across the board to different conversations, different topics and different, I want to say disagreements, but like any situation where there's kind of two parties going at it with each other, this situation can apply, I think. And really it is what it, what it is just in its entirely is again, going back to what I mentioned earlier, having your own standpoint, like your own standpoint on a topic and a subject, but again, being knowledgeable enough and open enough open enough i'm gonna like stamp down some people's foreheads to listen to another perspective and understand where that perspective is coming from because if you can if you can take information from your end your bias end and then a unbiased end or the bias of the opposite of the opposing party and you can take both those information like both those sources of information and pick them apart for yourself to make your own decision and your own standpoint from that and still like have your own standpoint there I think that's extremely healthy I think there is something to be said about those who refuse to look at another person's perspective and point of view over the top over the um refusing to look at someone else's perspective or point of view on something under the guise of well, we're all entitled to our own opinion. Yes, we are all entitled to our own opinion. However, by shutting someone down like that in terms just to not hear their side or to, to try and discredit them, that's extremely toxic. At least hear the person out and at least try to understand where they're coming from so then you can best... Okay. By being able to look at the opposing argument here, and understand that end of things and understand where they're coming from. I believe that sets you up to have a lot better understanding of your own stance, as well as your own argument in the subject. It's the individuals who I think don't or refuse to listen to that other side of the argument and just refuse, like shut it out. I would be willing, I am going to say that I think they can be very closed-minded people and they are, can be, can be, they can be, I'm not going to say are, but can be the root cause of a lot of arguments and like disputes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think it, I feel like when people have a very extreme opinion on something, like they will sell their soul for that opinion um, because they're so, so committed to it but they're so committed to it in the sense that it goes beyond just themselves and they're not like open to, they're not open to even just discussing it with someone else. Like they're not even open to that. Um, so like, while I, I do have every intention of staying vegan for the rest of my life, because like, again, like for me, it's not just about what I'm eating. It's about just like my entire lifestyle. 
um, that doesn't mean that I'm like, um, what is it I'm trying to say? Like, like I just won't listen to other perspectives. Um, I'm not open to hearing them. That's not the case at all. Um, and I think that's something that I've seen a lot in the vegan community that I think is like a problem because there's some different reasons why someone might stop being vegan. Um, and I could definitely see why someone might do that. And it makes, it makes sense to me. It's just that I've never been in that situation before. And I think that if I were in that situation, I would still try to find a way to stay vegan or at least like minimize like animal product consumption. But again, like that's just me personally. And I feel that I would still do whatever I could to stay vegan, like under any circumstance, which I guess people might say is extreme, but um, then people are free to think that, but that's just my personal for me thing. And it doesn't mean that just because I feel that way, I think others like need to feel that way too, because like, like who am I to decide what other people should do? Like, in fact, I'm interested in hearing opposing viewpoints because I like to try to under, understand things and see things from a perspective that maybe it didn't like occur to me. Um, Cause I like to hear about other people's feelings, experiences, and like their actual reasonings for different opinions. Like to me, it's actually very eye-opening and interesting. Like I'm not someone who's like afraid to have those discussions or like it wouldn't make me like I don't feel defensive whereas I think a lot of vegans would feel defensive because they're just acting on emotions like the minute they talk about um you know veganism with someone who's not vegan I think all they can think about is what they saw in the movie earthlings um and I've seen that documentary and it's very very heartbreaking and disturbing but again I don't associate what I saw in that documentary with non-vegans because like I like you know because like I have a lot of friends who are not vegan including you and you're all great <laughs> you're all great people and I don't think of you as murderers um you know so and I think that if there are some very militant vegans who happen to be listening to this hopefully not but like if there are like <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah I think if there are like they might say oh, like Emily is siding with meat eaters pretty soon. She's going to be, you know, an ex-vegan too. And I've seen a lot of militant vegans say this. And it's like, so you're literally like hating someone who is literally on your side in the first place. But like, I don't see it as like a side thing. It's just, I think that some vegans, it's almost like, there's like almost, it's just like such a divide between like per people. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. maybe, you get what I'm trying to say? Like my words are a little bit jumbled because I have a lot of thoughts and I'm trying to Keep like get it out in like an organized way. But yeah. I think it's funny how people will like shit on each other for what they eat. And I was like this too. So I'm not just like talking, I'm not just attacking people here. This is like straight up at myself too. Um, I... I just think it's wild how some like again how there are people are on ext extreme ends of the spectrums here and like arguments and different viewpoints and how much they let these control their life and their interactions with others and their interactions with even themselves sometimes not gonna lie and it again goes back to it's just very interesting to me like, to see how closed off people are to 
opposing viewpoints. Like, okay, so, hi, my name is Austin Bauer, and I'm no longer a vegan. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, guys. But I was, so I got blood labs back. I got some blood work back in November. It was like the beginning of November, yeah. And hi, I also have low testosterone. I have low testosterone. I think it's, I think we're, we're making moves there. But I also had low vitamin D. I had lower iron levels and some other few things were not, they weren't off, but they weren't where we wanted them to be, me and my coach. So with that information presented to me, I did a lot of my own research. And a lot of this, I directly went to sources that, that were for and against what I was looking for. So this wasn't like me cherry picking data. This wasn't me looking for the biases. I looked at multiple sources from different areas on what I looked up here was the effects of, or this wasn't exactly what I looked up, but it was basically the effects of being vegan on muscle, like hypertrophy and strength. That's kind of like in a nutshell. But, and I, again, I looked at multiple different resources, looked at different sources, read different studies, different meta-analysis across like a two-week time span. And then I made a decision. I sat on that decision, didn't make any action on that decision, but I just sat on that decision before I fully like went through with it. And again, I, I had my own bias before I was vegan, like before when I was vegan, I was very biased towards staying vegan. Again, like as Emily mentioned, doing what I could to remain vegan. However, again, with that information that I found and I went out of my way to dig up and I could look at critically and analyze where I would I fell in this data and how this data applied to me, it made sense to me to switch back to an omnivore diet. Now, before I go any further with this, can you build muscle on a vegan diet? Absolutely. Can you build, be a successful bodybuilder on a vegan diet? Absolutely. However, for me, I weighed my options in terms of, I feel like I have a late start to my bodybuilding career. And I feel like I almost need to make up for lost time. And with the evidence in front of me clearly stating, it's been proven time and time again that animal source protein is more bioavailable to our body to use as well as all the nutrients within that are more bioavailable to our body. So with that information, and again, like that's not the only information I went off here. Don't try and like shoot me down on that one. I made that switch, but again, I was able to look at both sides of the argument that were both for and against my decision and still came and built my own perspective and my own, not even my own bias, but again, like my own perspective and my own view standpoint from all different points of the argument, if that makes sense. So I took all the different perspectives I could gather and I made my own viewpoint after an analyzing all of them together, not just one side or the other. I didn't look for specific data. I looked at everything. Some shit like supported like staying vegan. Other shit was hard against it. Other shit was, you can, you cannot. It's, that's a gray area. And I looked at it all. My head hurt after a few days, but I had to look at it all. So what I'm saying here is, it goes back to like, people just need to be open to like looking at all sides of an argument here, guys. 
and also not shitting on people for thinking differently than you or posing a different opinion. Because again, like, did it make me uncomfortable looking at different opinions and that questioned what I had believed for the past seven or eight years? Yeah, I was questioning what I kind of built my Instagram on, kind of. What I built a lot of like my own, not self-beliefs, but it's been a large part of, being vegan has been a large part of my life for, you know, again, like my entire teenage years, essentially. So questioning that, that's funky. And it's supposed to feel funky. You're questioning a part of yourself, essentially, at this point. And this goes for any argument out there, any dispute, everything. But it should be uncomfortable to kind of question that and then look at opposing arguments. But in the end, you should be able to look at these opposing arguments, look at your own argument, and come to a sound decision about where you stand, is what I'm trying to say. Did that make sense, or did I just kind of, like, circle around there? No, no, I totally get it. Um... Uh, that makes okay, sense. sorry. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like you just made like an impulsive decision. Like you were really thinking about it. Like you took your time to do your research, um, to look at both ends of the, not the spectrum, but like both points of view and like really think about it. Um, and I think that's a really good thing to do. And um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Sorry. One last thing and I'll, I'll let you go. Um, or I'll let you speak. Another part of this entire thing is I feel knowledgeable enough about both sides of the argument that I can't argue for both ends of it. I can argue for being an omnivore. I can argue for being a vegan. Do I have a personal bias and standpoint on one side? Absolutely. But does that impact that I can't argue one side or the other? No. And I do think it is having that understanding to be able to argue for both ends and truly have an understanding of both sides I think that is extremely beneficial for anything and everything again like sure I was vegan but even if I not even like taking like this specific topic any topic out there understanding two sides of it and being able to argue for both ends I think is going to make you extremely knowledgeable on the topic and allow you to make a an and sorry and very a, I, shit. it's going to allow you to make a very educated decision for yourself not just again based off of a single bias or single perspective but being able to take in all points of the argument and again it goes back to i think a lot of individuals are scared to be shown that they were originally wrong again i'm not saying that one side is inherently wrong but i think some individuals are scared of finding out information that they don't want to hear that then makes them question their own beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. also like another thing that I really have, I guess this is where like I have issues with certain people in the vegan community. And I know that not everyone feels this way. Cause like, I mean, I'm like, I'm very vegan, I guess, but I don't feel this way. Um, and so a lot of very like militant vegans assume that anyone who eats animal products they're like putting themselves at risk for like heart disease, cancer, um, all these things because they're eating animal products. But what they don't consider is the standard American diet. Um, while it is very heavy in animal products, the quality is very lacking. And they're the state, the average American like does not eat enough fruits and vegetables either. Um, there's a reason the acronym for standard American diet is sad. Yeah. And they're not getting enough exercise. So, you know, those might be the reasons 
you know, mainly that are contributing to their poor health. Um, so it's not necessarily the animal products. It might be the quality of them and their overall very unhealthy lifestyle. However, like if you're like living a healthy lifestyle and you know, you are including animal products, but they're higher quality ones, you're getting enough exercise, you're eating enough fruits and vegetables and just like an overall balanced diet. Um, you know, it can be very healthy and there's actually like very little evidence to support that, you know, eating animal products does cause, you know, these health conditions because you can't really like isolate any variable because where they see people having these health conditions and relating them to animal products, like, again, there's just so many variables. Like it's really probably because of the quality of like what they're eating and their overall lifestyle as a whole. But like, you know, bodybuilders like eat extremely healthy. I mean, we should be, um, whether Everyone you're, should yeah, be. yeah, but like, I think that like as bodybuilders, we do take more like, um, care 100%. for our health and we're very conscious about our food selections and stuff, um, you know, vegan or not, but there's also some very unhealthy vegans, like the majority of vegans who preach like a very low protein diet, a very low fat diet, um, you know, preach things like the fat you eat is the fat you wear, which is like no oil. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other things like just very like restrictive. Like it's almost like the opposite of the standard American diet. It's like so, so restrictive, like, you know, completely. yeah, it's like anti-protein, anti-fat or like enough (laughs) anti-enough. Um, and it's just like, that's why, like, I don't know. I, I have so many issues with that. And it's like, there's like a, a lot of vegans assume that just because you eat enough calories from fruits, vegetables, whatever, you're automatically getting enough protein. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> that's, first of all, that's not true. Second of all, if you have any physique goals and you're active at all, um, even or health goals, fertility goals, you know, things like that, um, you may you literally wanna- just want to be a healthy human being yeah you may want to make sure you're eating enough protein and fat and spoiler alert half of y'all aren't yeah i'm sorry but 50 to 60 grams of protein even if you don't lift weights is not enough and so i'm just throwing that out there and eating like 30 grams of fat a day is not going to cut it especially for women there are so many women out there that i've come across just from coming across uh, who eat like under 30 grams of fat a day. Like, let me just tell you this, like usually even when someone is in like contest prep at the end of their prep, like, I mean, again, everyone's different. Some people, their fats get extremely low. Um, most people it does, but like I've, you know, I've seen, I've heard from someone that like usually the lowest that fats go is I think maybe like 25 grams. I mean, maybe lower. Um, it really depends on the person, but just yeah. to give you an idea of like, just someone thinking that that is healthy, eating 25 to 30 grams of fat a day, thinking that that's healthy. Like, do you realize for the average person or average vegan, like how restrictive and how little fat that is? Like, that's just so, such an inappropriate amount of fat to be eating when you're trying right. to like, be healthy. Thank y'all. Okay. So fats, they're important for your overall function. Cholesterol to an extent is very important for your overall health and function. 
So the fact that these things are being demonized, okay, let me back up here. So cholesterol, you know, I think it's usually demonized in mass media, which again, having too much of it can be a bad thing, but you need some of it because it literally creates the backbone, the foundational backbone of all the steroid hormones that are naturally produced in your body. That's all your sex hormones. That's your stress hormones. That is literally all like some of the most important shit in your body is created from cholesterol. So the minute you don't have that or you don't have enough of it, shit starts to slide off the rails, whether you like it or not. Same thing with fats. Again, cholesterol comes from saturated fats mostly. However, fats in general are extremely beneficial for brain and cognitive function. Still, hormonal production, secretion, and regulation, appetite, it's good for your skin. It's really good for so many aspects of your guys' health. On, cutting out a macronutrient or demonizing a specific macronutrient is not, a, not okay. So if I hear one more people say, like, you can't eat over 100 grams of carbs a day, I'm, y'all, I'm going to start dropping people. I'm going to start dropping people. Oh my gosh. That's less that that's less carbs than I eat in my breakfast. Same. That's so sad. Like, why would you want to limit yourself like that when you literally don't have to? That's half the carbs my post workout. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, I, I mean, we do eat more than the average person. Oh yeah. Very much so. So there is that, like, we're not telling people to eat the amounts that we do because for, I mean, we both eat different amounts, but like, we still eat more than the average person our size. Relatively Um, speaking. Yes. Yeah. So like, we're not saying you should be doing this, you should be doing the same thing, but we are saying that you don't need to restrict yourself. You know, you have different needs. We all have different needs, but like, you know, some people think that their needs are like a hundred grams of carbs a day. And we're telling you that you can have more than that. So. No, exactly. Like we're not, again, we're not saying eat like a bodybuilder because most of you are out there currently are not bodybuilders. That is a-okay. Like that's awesome. I, I love that for you. It's not my thing, but I love that for you because I understand like bodybuilding is not for everyone. But with that, the amount of food you're eating is barely enough for toddlers, like not a toddler, but a teenager sometimes. And you're a grown ass person. And it's, you know, here we go. It comes back to how much our culture and society has fucking demonized just everything almost at this point when it comes to the health and fitness industry. When it comes to taking care of your body, so many things are glazed over, pushed aside, or act straight up like demonized to the point where it's creating a vicious cycle of sickness in our society. Like, and I, so the fat or not even like, sure, the fad diet industry, for sake of conversation, like that's encompassing, encompassing a lot of like the, the bullshit and the myths of the fit, health fitness industry is such a profitable industry because it doesn't sell shit that works. It sells shit that's going to keep you coming back for more. So by constantly demonizing these different things that put you in this vicious cycle that keeps you just always coming back to them, they're going to make a profit off of you. They don't give a shit about your health. They don't give a shit about you. They give a shit about the money in your pocket that you're pumping right back into them because you, they, you think, they make you think that you need them. 
So when you're online and you see someone advocating for a 21 day no carb detox plan or whatever the fuck to like lose 20 pounds in a month or even 20 pounds in if they're guaranteeing you a certain amount of weight lost, you run the other direction because you're such an individual person and those rules might not apply for you. And that's okay. You just need a different approach from what they're selling you. And again, it goes back to their, their entire, their entire infrastructure is based on the fact that you're going to come back from work when it doesn't work the first time. And if you can't maintain your results, it doesn't work. So don't say it worked. And that's why you're coming back because, well, it worked for me once. Like, no, if you- Then why are you going back to it? Exactly. If it worked, it would keep working and you wouldn't have this merry-go-round situation going on. So it's kind of like those, you know, fitness influencers that sell like the booty burn programs and like they have an amazing physique. So people want to buy it because they're like, well, that's my goal body. I want to look like that. But it's like, do you realize that what these people did to achieve that goal physique is get under the freaking bar and lift some heavy ass weight. And they're not telling you that in their program because all you see is their physique and they're super lean and shredded. But it's like, do you realize they probably went through like long bulking phases where they probably got a little like uncomfortable where their body fat percentage was higher and now they're showing their hard-earned muscle, but they're not putting that in the freaking program because they just want you to buy it and do their booty band shit that's not going to do anything for you, but and then they want you to come back and do it again. Cause it didn't work fully the first time. Yeah. So they're like, you know, come back and like do a round two, and then maybe you'll get some results. Like, please, if you see any of that stuff and you're thinking, you know, maybe I should do that. Just run for the Hills. Don't be looking on influencers pages, be like looking at, um, coaches and what they're posting, like educated coaches and also do your own research, but don't do your research on Facebook. Um, you know, like actual research. Research is not asking people, you know, like, did the keto diet work for you? Oh, well, maybe it'll work for me. Or like, did the booty band kickbacks work for you? And someone says it did. So then it's like, okay, that, you know, like being able to separate like reality from mumbo jumbo, you know, like, I mean, like, able to understand what is misinformation and what is actual has like some credibility behind it yeah like learning about the body and how the body actually works like that's where coaches come in because like we can we make posts you know about like pretty like it's in depth but it's like general but then when you actually have a coach like of your own then it's like all that all of that stuff but very specific to you so it really comes in handy with that if you're someone who like is doesn't know like where to start or like fact determine fact from fiction when it comes to like all of this stuff online because I'll be honest like it's very confusing there's a lot of uh conflicting messages um and you know it's hard it's hard to look at that stuff and like know what the heck to do so that's why having a coach is really valuable so oh, exactly and I think another thing here that I have found to be not foolproof, but a majority of the time is probably going to give you a solid answer. If you see someone selling a program that is promising you something and you are even interested in something like that, go to that person and start asking questions. Because most of these individuals, if you put them on the spot, they're not going to be able to come up with the answers that even sound not even convincing, but they don't sound 
reliable, if that makes sense. It doesn't exactly fit how I want it to, but you put these individuals on the spot about some of these programs and they falter, they come up short, or they make excuses to bounce around the question. You need someone who's going to shoot straight with you. It's not going to bullshit you. It's not going to blow smoke up your ass and it's going to be fucking real with you. That, because here's my thing. Anyone can do a diet. Anyone can do a three-week program, a four-week um, four challenge, whatever. But if the only thing you get from that is the number on the scale changing, it didn't work for you. Now, what I mean by that is cool. You changed your body in some way, shape, or form. You probably ate less or you ate more. You ate differently. You trained differently. Even. But what you did learn is how is that how to apply those same things outside of those challenges. Can those challenges be a great start for someone to get their stuff, their foot in the door? Absolutely. But a majority of the time, it, leave, it just lets people off and they don't know where to go. So they slide immediately backwards. And the results lasted for those four weeks that they were in the program. When you hire a coach or something, you're going to be learning, you're going to be learning along the way and you're going to be getting you might not be getting like outright information and education because again, like some coaches are very busy, but what you're going to get is you're going to be able to look at how your coach does things and understand, oh, wait a minute, this feels more real and this feels more applicable to my everyday life. And the minute you find that correlation there on how different things that you and your coach work on, how that applies, the minute you kind of see that, you're going to be set up for success. With a lot of my clients, yes, I am answering a lot of like questions that are really a lot of just myth busting, if you will. However, through that, I'm also providing the education on why these things are like, why that is wrong or why that is a myth. And here's what it should be instead. And then through that, they're gaining the knowledge and skills again, to be able to go out in the world and understand why they would do certain things that beforehand they wouldn't be able to. They have a better understanding on how to fuel themselves rather than just eat off of a generic meal plan that 50 other people got. They have an understanding of why they might be feeling this way or that way, not just trust the process and stick it out. Now, there is a time and a place for that, however, but generally speaking. Yeah. I digress. Have you ever had a client like ask you a question and then you answer and they almost like, it seems like they almost like, don't believe you and they're almost like they're almost like looking at you like mm, I think you're yes. wrong you know yes. like I I had a past client like they I was telling them like they need way more protein than they think that they do um and I said like you know I really think we should increase the protein here um and they were just like hmm I don't know I'll think about it we'll see and I'm just thinking like okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm, I, as a coach, it's not my job to force people to do anything. Um, all I can do is make recommendations and you're free to follow them and you're free to not. But then when your progress is not what you want it to be, that might be why. So, you know, I'm just here to provide re information, reasons for it. If you'd like to know, um, to support it. I can answer more questions. I can give you the tools to actually like make it happen. Um, but like if people are just like 
really opposed to the idea like it won't matter what I say if they're like dead set on whatever they think is be better to do based on what they've heard it's usually you know myths that we have to bust but some people like you can't bust it even if you try and try like they just are very like determined to like hold on to their old beliefs if that makes sense have yep. you ever had a situation like that absolutely I think it's it's fear it is they individual this is here's a psychology lesson for y'all individuals latch on to certain beliefs that they find comfort in because it's something familiar with them the minute those again it goes back to our conversation earlier about how individuals are almost like scared of seeing another perspective because they're scared of questioning what they believe in and there's something that they might have like a core but like a core belief for themselves in so the minute you take one of these ideologies or one of these beliefs that a um, client has or an individual has around a certain topic and you you either push against that or offer information advice or go just go against it in terms of their own protocol it throws them off because now something that they were very comfortable with and familiar with is now being kind of pushed away again i don't mean that like i'm pushing i'm forcing it it's just now they have to question that and they're also now going outside of that comfort zone and they're doing something that they probably aren't haven't done before so they're obviously not going to be comfortable with it and it's a discomfort of almost the unknown is the discomfort of well this has worked in the past and it goes back to well if it works in the past why are we here but it goes back to well, it worked in the past for me, so I it it works, right? It's it doesn't it's not black and white here. Um, so it's just the minute you start making an individual question something they core they they truly believe in, you're gonna get you probably a lot of times are gonna get pushback from some people. Um, shit. So with that, really, just like be coachable. Like if you're gonna hire a coach, be open to new ideas. I've spoken on this almost every goddamn podcast, but it's gonna have to be reset again. If you hire a coach, be open to trying new things because exactly for exactly that reason, you're hiring someone to get you to where you want to be because you couldn't do it yourself, or else you wouldn't be with a coach. So if you're gonna hire a coach and then push back against what they're saying, what they're saying, you're wasting your own time and your own. I'm again, like, we're going to try and help you. We're going to try and educate you. And like, you got to trust us in some of these processes because we're going to do what's always best for you in these situations. We're never going to do something that's going to put you in a bad spot without first letting you know. And even then that's going to be a rare case in, in rare case in some instances, not going to go into that now, but if a situation like that arises, it's going to go through you. It's not going to be like, Hey, we're going to do this. And like, get rock and roll no it's going to be a conversation but so if we don't have that conversation we just start like doing something it's for your best interest and it's what you need so instead of pushing back ask questions ask questions to understand it better for yourself rather than just shutting down the minute you shut down and it becomes a well i don't really want to do that because that I, I i heard this way works you're wasting your own time at that point if you're not willing to understand or just be coachable so to answer your question, I've had a handful of people like that. And it's usually, it's actually been mostly within my in-person job. So every time that client either 
moves on to a different trainer or they don't come back. And again, I, in these situations, I've never done something that is out. I never outright like say anything to, I've never mean, I'm never pushy. I'm never, I don't think this is going to work. It's I provide the information and I explain it the best I can for them to be able to understand. And I even confirm like, as I'm talking, like, does that make sense? And as I go, I get, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Then the end of the conversation comes around and it's, well, I just, I've never heard of that before. So I don't, I'm going to stick with what I, what I've heard or, well, I've, that doesn't sound right to me. So I'm not, that does, that doesn't work and shit like that. And usually that person's gone and I hold no hard feelings against them because that's just where they are currently. And I understand that we're just, I can't help them from that situation if they're not willing to give a little wiggle there. Because again, you can only do so much for some people without driving yourself insane. And yes, there is a point of coaching that uh, the client psychology and that mindset and helping ease them into different things. But you can kind of tell sometimes when someone's just going to put up that iron curtain and you can't get in. And when you see that, you can almost see it happen too. And when that happens, it's just best that you both just save your time and energy for yourselves. And you're doing them a favor by just letting them go. Yeah, I completely agree. Like when I first started out as coaching, um, with coaching, I didn't do this, but I always do this now. Um, so I used to literally just start right away. Um, like I would have conversations with people, but it would be through DMS. Um, but now I obviously do that as well, but I also schedule a phone call just at like, um, whether it's phone call, zoom call, FaceTime, whatever their preference is, but it's gotta be something where we can go back and forth, hear each other talking. Um, just, they know that I'm not, that I'm like a real person and like, I'm not just some like person, like, you know, just like hiding behind my computer, like giving them a program and macros that like, I'm a legit person and I'm not like a weirdo out there who doesn't know anything. So, you know what I mean? So I think like, that's really important, like as an online coach, just so that your, your clients or athletes feel comfortable with you. And like, cause sometimes I feel like the way that I talk or like come across like in real life is like, to me, it's the same as how I am like online and like typing posts, but I feel like not like sometimes that doesn't always come across like, because like people don't know your tone when they read your posts or like in a conversation. So like, sometimes I'll write a post and like in my head, I'll be like joking about something or it'll be like a little bit like sarcastic, but like funny. But like people reading me that might think like, ew, like, wow, the negativity, like, are you kidding me? Like, so sometimes you can't tell like based on someone's tone, like you have to actually know them as a person to kind of like understand that better. So I don't know, I think, and it goes both ways. Like when you're to a client and you can kind of like, I don't know, just like get a gauge of their comfort level and like how open they are, how open they are to trying something different, um, like what their goals are. And just like their level of commitment and just how receptive they are. And you can usually see that um, or like sense it. No, Um, absolutely. And you can answer questions there too, like right off the bat. So whereas like sometimes I think like the point can get lost like in DMs, whereas if you can just like talk things through, explain nuances a little bit more, because you can only type so long of a message or whatever. So I think just getting to talk it out is really beneficial. 
Um, and I think when you have that process of like having a phone call before starting everything, you can kind of gauge like, is this client going to be one of those clients where they have their walls up and they, at the end of the day, are just not going to listen to your recommendations? Um, and because I've in I've had that situation before um, in the past, um, I feel like I've learned from it and I can now usually tell before it's even happened, if it's going to happen. And I will just straight up refuse to proceed work to working with someone if I think that it's going to be a situation like that. Um, because I'm, I really respect my, I don't know, like, I'm not gonna say like brand as a coach, but like the message I'm trying to put out there and the type of client athlete, like roster that I'm trying to build from the ground up. And it's like a lot of like hard work, dedication and passion for me. And I'm not going to sacrifice my passion to work with people who are just like floating around, like half, half committed, half there. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, I won't like, cause I'm right now, like I I'm only open to working with like lifestyle clients, not like hardcore bodybuilders. So like, I understand if like people's lives, like don't revolve around like building muscle. Like I, I get that. Um, so I'm not saying that you have to be as like intense as if you were a bodybuilder, but if you are like, that's amazing too. But like, what I am saying is like, you can't be like one foot in one foot out. Um, like, you know, if it's, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Like that's, I, I heard that from some other coach on Instagram. I forgot who it was, but like that really stuck with me. My fucking favorite quotes, dude. Yeah, it's like, that is so legit. And sometimes you can just tell when it's a fuck no, right at the, like right off the bat, like with someone, like, I don't know, I'm a very intuitive person and I can just yeah. sense it. And like, I've always been right, but I never listened to my intuition when I knew it was a fuck no. And I kept trying to help them because like the empath in me was just like, fuck, I just want to help them so badly. I know they have so much potential. Let me just stick this out with them. I know we're going to get there, but unfortunately they didn't feel as like passionate as I did. So that's where you have to like, for your own mental health, because as coaches, we are human beings too. We're not robots. Like we also have to like protect our energy, our mental health and put our energy in places where we're actually like valued and appreciated for, I don't know, our guidance as coaches. And we can't do that with people who like won't even do their part and like, they're not like, ready to progress you know so yeah no I the going back to what you first said in that conversation or that entire like um segment there I always get if there's a potential client with again my in-person job works differently and I kind of hate it anyway if I have a potential client my first thing is I get them on a phone I get them on a call I'll talk a bit like through messaging, through text. We'll kind of get to know each other. But before we proceed forward with anything, I get them face-to-face. -face. I talk to them. I figure out like who they are, what they are. And again, you just through a simple conversation with someone, you can pick up on a lot. As Emily just said, you can, to you can, there's a lot of these like nuanced pieces to an individual, how they conduct themselves and how they talk about themselves sometimes. That again, as Emily said, it gives you a lot of insight to who they are and what type of person they are, and in turn, what type of client they're going to be. 
And from that, you can also get an understanding of what that person's going to need if you do start working together. Now, as Emily said, there is definitely those people out there who you start talking to them and you can already tell from the get-go that this isn't just going to, this just isn't going to work. And that's okay. And I know, especially like from like me and you, obviously, Emily, that as new coaches, that can be hard to turn someone away sometimes or just for someone not to like be fully on board and then obviously turn themselves away almost. It can be hard. However, understanding that for the best interest for you and even that person at the time, that that might just be the best damn thing to happen to you both. Because not everyone's meant to be coached. As much as I think that a lot of people could benefit from a coach, not everyone's meant to be coached and not everyone should be coached. And it goes back to not having that coachable mindset or that coach of being just that coachability. Um, what else did I want to say there? Yeah, I just, I've talked to someone. I got to get to know them because if we don't vibe, then it's just, it's not going to work because I, so time back into like the Instagram topic here. I something that I've been working on a lot more recently, or just been a lot more mindful of recently, is just being me and finding my own voice on social media and not trying to fit into a mold. And I have fully admit I did that for a long ass time, and it's still something that I catch myself doing from time to time. And that's why a lot of my stories are how they are because it's a one take and I said it because. I know if I try and overthink it, it's not going to be truly me. Now, again, like I do retake it if I like, you know, just fuck up my words. However, I, that's just me. Like I try to put my face there as much as I can, because there's a human behind like the pictures. There's a human behind the infographics, behind the slides, behind the heavyweights and grunting at the gym. Yeah. I'm a fucking person too. And I think just having that presence of just you is extremely beneficial because again, people can see you and they can connect with you on a person to person basis. And I think that adds into your buy-in factor, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, and this is something I mentioned last podcast that I've been really starting to get more into understanding is that person side like you're coaching a you're coaching a person a human being and making that human connection with that other individual so you can truly help them progress and grow as a person outside like body physique aside like coaching someone to be a better person and working with them to see what's truly right for them and where they are i think is extremely fucking important i think it's something that's been overlooked a lot by me personally and i want to say i'm getting better at it, or i'm at least understanding what i need to do better at it but it is something that i do think is a very large part of it that is sometimes overlooked yeah i think it's good that like you're like aware of the things that you want to get better at because i think something that's like bad um, in the coaching realm is like coaches who think that they know everything and are great at everything. Like, I don't know, like that seems kind of sketchy to me. Cause like, even like the most like knowledgeable coaches, like are still like learning. So like for like 
anyone I mean like us like I mean like I'm not saying like we don't know our shit because we do but there's also a lot of shit that we are trying to learn and get better at and like for me like my thing that like I kind of I'm not the best at um is actually taking the information that I know and then like putting it into digestible words on the spot for a client to understand like why should I do this why should I do that because like again in my head I know why I'm programming something I know why I'm recommending something it makes complete sense to me but then I have to take the big words and the confusing um for the client I mean I'm not trying to say like clients are dumb and wouldn't understand it if I no, it's um, it's coach talk almost. like yeah. we understand it but trying to break that down to a digestible content for a con- a consumer who isn't as into the space that we are yeah exactly like for me like I'm a lot better at writing than talking like with writing like English was like I'm not trying to brag but like English was my best subject and like everything like everything else was like not the best um and so I mean it was like average okay but like English was the one thing where I was like really good at so I mean like that's why like writing is my thing but like just talking and like being on the spot also because like uh like when I growing up like I'm not this is not an excuse because I'm actively working on getting better at it but like when I was younger I had severe social anxiety and so like literally I used to struggle just to make phone calls and I'll be completely honest I still do Uh, like I still like my heart races a little bit and I get like kind of anxious and like it freaks me out a little bit because I don't really know why like my brain will just like do a thing and it'll be like whoa like I'm a real human like I'm a person this is so scary like Like, I shit I'm a functional part of society guys (laughs) yeah I don't know what it is but like something in my brain just like doesn't work properly so it's like really hard for me sometimes to just like like do like a human face-to-face like interaction sort of a thing but like and just like even making a phone call or something like used to stress me out so so much so it's really it does it does not come naturally to me to like talk to someone like face-to-face voice-to-voice and like actually explain something because I'm so much better just like typing it out um and it sounds better when I type it versus when I'm just like talking because with writing I can like think about it And like, if I don't like the way something sounds, I'll delete it and change it until it is like, looks perfect to me. But like with talking, you can't say something and then delete it or like erase it and like redo it when it's like on the spot. And like, for some reason in the past, like that made my social anxiety just like, like really, really bad because I was always like so afraid that I would say the wrong thing or sound stupid and like mess up. Even though I knew what I was talking about, I just couldn't get the words out just right like I don't know what that what that's about but like that's just something that I've always dealt with and like I it used to make me feel kind of inferior like wow like maybe this makes me a shitty coach I don't know but I've come to the point where I'm like hell no that doesn't make me a shitty coach it means that as coaches we all have some things that it's not our specialty but we have other things that are like for me like I would say that like I'm really good with like just like programming training and like, you know, nutrition and just like being that accountability person for someone and just being like a relatable person. And just like, I'm not like, I don't know. I'd like to think I'm not like intimidating, I guess. So like, I don't know. I just, I think those are my like best, you know, things that I'm the best, but I will say that like, I do have some things that I am actively trying to polish up on 
Um, and I think we all have those things. Oh, absolutely. Coaches and humans and people in general, like we all have our specialties. We all have our weaknesses that we're trying to get better at. So. No, absolutely there. I, no, I, yeah, I, I agree on all that. I think there's always, there's always room to grow. And if you're any, this goes back to the quote of being the smartest person in the room or being the biggest person in the room. If you're the, at that point where you are the smartest or you're the biggest person in the room, find a new fucking room. Because the minute you become like that, I'm not trying to like put like a hierarchy here, but the minute you become, you get to a point where you are kind of in that top position, if you will, or in like a higher up position, if you will, you need to level up your entire circle around you to match that same progression and growth that you want to have, or else you will stagnate. If you're surrounded by a lot of other people who are not lower than you, but who don't support or aren't at that same place to help you grow, you need to switch some things up or integrate others into that circle to help you progress. Yeah. Yeah. Also, side note here, I'm the least intimidating person possible. So I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Yeah. I think like if you're a coach, like you shouldn't be like intimidating unless you're working with, you know, hardcore like bodybuilders. But if you're just like working with like mostly lifestyle clients who like need a little bit of a pat on the back every now and then, like just to know they're on the right track and like, you know, everyone has different needs. Some lifestyle clients don't need that. Like I will definitely say there are some that don't need that. Some of them want to be, you know, uh, like treated as if they were a bodybuilder. They just don't have the goal of competing. Um, like if I wasn't going to compete, that would be how I would be like, so, but again, everyone's different. They have different needs, but, um, but yeah, I think if you're not in a position where you're being challenged where you're being pushed to grow because the other people are doing the same around you, then you should probably find a different room. Like you said, take the elevator to the next floor, bitches. Yeah. I'm out. (laughs) Like I'm very thankful because over this past year, I feel like I have gotten into, I've created a circle of people around me or at least I've put myself in a position to where there are others around me, if you will, that are a lot better that in a lot better than me in every shape, form, and aspect as a person, as a coach, as a athlete myself, because each day I'm able to learn from these individuals, whether that is through Instagram, whether that is through directly talking to them, whether that is through listening to other podcasts or other sources of material and content, I am able to grow and better myself every fucking day from those around me. And that's what I mean by not being the biggest person in the room. Because if you're the top person in that room and there's no one else above you, cool, you can keep spitting out this information to others, but what's forcing you to keep growing? Because a lot of us don't have that same discipline. Like some of us do, like, don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of individuals out there and I want to say myself included who are driven to be better just by ourselves which is phenomenal. However, there are individuals out there who may, without even realizing it, become stagnant just because they don't even recognize it. But that comes down to just being aware of where you are and what you are doing. 
Yeah, I feel like that's exactly where I was before I started working with Brit. Like I had been kind of like reverse dieting, slowly getting my calories up, but I like wasn't gaining much muscle. I was actually continuing to lose weight and I felt like I was looking worse and worse. Um, even though like I was like, like mildly shredded, like I thought that I like looked okay from a shredded. distance, like mildly. <laughs> But like, but like, I thought I looked okay, like from a distance, but when it was just like me looking in the mirror, I'm just like, I don't like this. Like, I'm very small. Like, I really, that's like, I don't like this. Um, and so I'm like, I really want to grow because the next time that I am this lean again, I don't want to be this freaking small. Like it, I just, I'm like, I don't feel like this is like who I am, like at, at my core. Like, I feel like I'm meant to like be I know this sounds like weird but like I feel like I missed act, but like my my little pipsqueak body didn't match like how I actually feel I meant to be if that makes sense because I feel like like just in my life in general like I've just like overcome some like really disturbing shit and I feel like I shouldn't be this like little pipsqueak I feel like I should actually look like the person who ever overcome overcame those things and I literally didn't and I feel like by getting stronger in the, well, I was going to say the gym, but like the basement, but I feel like by getting stronger, it, it counts. yeah. And I feel like just getting stronger in my training and like building muscle and just like pushing through when I'm like, yeah, I really don't want to eat meal number four today. And just like doing it anyway. I feel like those things just like strengthen me as a person. And it's almost like I'm becoming closer to the person that I'm supposed to be like inside. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So that's like how like it was for me. Like I did feel kind of stagnant and like, sure, I guess I would have said like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. What before I started working with Brit, but like I needed someone to like challenge me with like what I already know, but help me get to that next level. So like someone who could push me and like my food as well to like where it needed to be and like, and like my training and stuff and like not like BS BS me about it like you know like when I get uncomfortable it's like we could start the cut now like I want someone who will be like bitch like sit down like we are not starting keep pushing like we're going we're going like I don't like I want someone who will be like look if we start a cut now you're going to be so tiny and you're going to hate it so we're going to keep going so shut the fuck up and get back to work like that's the type of like vibe like I like I don't know because I know that's what I needed and like obviously And like, obviously like Brit never said any of those things to me, but like, it's the, like, I feel like that's the unspoken expectation. And cause that's the expectation I have for myself. Cause I know that's what I really need to do. And I don't, I know that that's what I really want. And so that's why, like, I think when you're like looking for a coach, like, you know, bodybuilding or a lifestyle coach, like you should pick a coach who like, um, obviously we'll challenge you and like, you know, their philosophies like align with yours, like, especially their training philosophies. Like if you have a coach and they don't believe in like failure training, like, I don't know, but like, that's a red flag because the science kind of points to failure training as being like the most optimal. So, I mean, I'm not saying that there's not a time for reps and reserve because there's plenty of times for that and you can still grow. However, I am saying that if you have a coach who's just like, like, no, it's okay to train at like a six RPE, like, you know, whatever. I don't know. Like whenever you feel like it, I don't know. I just, 
I don't know. I'm just, I'm like, not cool with that. Like, you There's know. time and place. There's time and place, kids. If a coach is telling you that, they ask, again, ask questions. Ask fucking questions. Yeah. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying if, the, if that person isn't able to back up their reasoning behind it, that's a red flag to me. If oh, you yeah. tell me, like, Dawson, I need you to train at um four, four reps in reserve for here and until further notice i'm gonna fucking ask questions not because i'm exactly challenging it but because i want to know that i just want to understand the reasoning behind it and if that person then stutters on and not able to back up that reasoning they don't have a reasoning behind it exactly like i have a client right now she just started working with me and um because like she's kind of getting used to like her programming and like the she's never done nutrient timing Um, so she had some questions about that and like scheduling it and like, um, she had a lot of questions and she like apologized for asking so many questions. And I'm thinking like, don't apologize. Like, that's okay. Like, it's good to ask questions. Like that's how you number one, like make sure that you're doing these new things. Right. That's how you stay prepared. I mean, I didn't like say all of this, but I'm, I'm sure that she knows like that that's how I feel about that because like, I'm very eager to explain things because like the more that, you know, like like knowledge is power. The more that you know, the better you can execute your protocols and um, just like have that confidence of like, yes, like I'm doing the right thing. And I think when you have that confidence about doing the right thing, like you just kind of automatically do everything a little bit better, like your training, your nutrition, like all that stuff. So. Yeah. I think another one on there that I thought you're going to hit on, but you like took a like, not a detour, but not in a bad way is to find a coach that you align with. And that aligns with who you are or what you want to be. If you're looking at, if you're considering hiring a coach and it is, you're considering hiring someone that doesn't really align with who you are or where you want to go. I, what's your reasoning behind that? Like, I just, I don't mean that. And like, I'm calling you out. I'm just curious on what would draw you to hiring that individual. If they're not in that same alignment with you. Um, I will say that there are certain things like different training philosophies, different nutrition philosophies, even that I think it is a very much, there's a gray space there. And there is a lot, there's a lot of wrong ways to do it. Don't get me wrong. But there are also a lot of right ways to do it. And that's been proven time and time again by a variety of people. So I think if you do hire a coach and it's something that, again, you're not used to be again, ask questions, but be open to trying something new if it's training with its nutrition, like everyone, a lot of people in this space bring something different to the table and something unique to the table. And a lot of these individuals are really fucking good at what they do. So give them a chance. Sometimes, like, again, there's definitely like some areas in here that don't, just don't ask questions, but some people you just gotta give them a chance and give that new idea a chance because odds are it might work for you. It's that better than something else did. Because again, you're with, you're hiring a coach because what you did in the past didn't work. Yeah. And like, as coaches, like we're also, we're, we have to make things work for the client. So like, if we give a client a protocol and they, you know, execute it to the best of their abilities, but there's like an issue with, um, you know, how much time they have in a day to do something or whatever, and it just isn't work quite working for them. And I'll give an example, but, um, sometimes we have to maybe adjust something so that it is realistic for them. Like, for example, like with my current client, like um, I think 
on two of her training days, she had like seven exercises. And she said that based on like her work schedule, um, you know, having seven exercises, you know, and being able to rest for as long as she needed, that just wasn't um, like realistic because the sessions took a little bit too long for her liking um, with her schedule. And it was just too much stress of like that and then timing the food and everything. So I said, okay, here's what we'll do. Like I took out a set from each of the sessions. So now she only has six exercises. Um, and while she isn't, you know, obviously because of that, she's getting less sets. So therefore less volume. However, again, like sometimes you don't, it doesn't have to be perfectly optimal because you have to mold it to what the client can do. Like they're how much time they have for something that comes first. Um, and like, obviously I asked questions. I said, like, how long were you resting? Um, you know, between sets, like, obviously I want to make sure that like people aren't like dicking off between their sets for like 20 minutes, just playing on their phone. Like I'm that obviously, and I know she does, isn't doing that. She's very serious. And, um, you know, she told me she's, I think rested maybe like three minutes or something. Um, but she also did like her warm up sets. And then when we add in the intensifiers, she's definitely going to need to rest even longer. And so I could see where this was going. So I said, okay, like, we'll just remove that, remove that. And, um, so now six exercises, but then once we add in those intensifiers, honestly, I don't think we'll even need the seventh exercise because I think that it's going to be enough, especially with the intensity. So is it again, like just because we write a plan, it doesn't mean that our plan is like the only way because we're molding it to the client and what they need as we go. So, you know, even though like we'll make plans and recommendations, like don't think that we're just like not going to adapt it or change it when it needs to be. So. No, exactly. And this is where it also comes on to the client to, again, communicate these things to your coach rather than just like not slack off, but instead of making, instead of the client making changes to their own protocol because it doesn't fit their schedule, communicate that with your coach so your coach can make the best decision for you and the best plan forward working in conjunction with you. That's also why as a client, like not only want to communicate, like I just said, but if your coach sends you a, um, an intake form or like an in-depth like questionnaire form at the beginning of your time together, fill that shit out to the best of your goddamn abilities. Like take time and type your life story on this thing if you have to. Because the more information that you give a coach, the better off that first initial week is going to be, that first like bit is going to be. Because there's a lot of times when people will just like not give you much to work with. So we're kind of, you kind of, there's a point where you can ask more questions, but you're still going to be kind of throwing some darts in the dark here. So the more information you can give up front, the easier it's going to be at first. And again, like there's definitely going to be some things that along the way initially are probably going to adjust, are probably going to change as your coach learns and understands you better and gets to know you better. But you still need to communicate as a client. Because we don't, if you don't tell us it's happening, we don't know what the fuck's going on. We're not mind readers. As much as I would like to be, that would be very convenient. We're not. So it comes down, again, this is part of being coachable, is understanding what needs to be communicated and when it needs to be communicated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also asking appropriate questions. Oh, yeah. We'll throw that in there. Like... Yeah. What are some examples of like inappropriate, just so people know like what we're talking about? Like if it's okay to go there, you know? Do I have to weigh my food or kind of measure in cups? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Did, in my welcome packet, did it say 
measure or does it weigh? Um, did you read it? <laughs> I will fully admit, I will fully admit it's a hefty, there's a lot of fucking information in that thing. So like, I understand that it's probably gonna take a few times to try and like get through it all. However, there's a frequent, there's an, um, there's a frequently asked questions bookmark in there for you guys. Dawson, I'm, I'm not feeling too hot today. Like, should I go train? Like, I, I have a small fever. Y'all, no, I'm not calling anyone out here. This is just an example of a question. Um, so don't think I'm like directly calling anyone out. Like, this is just like, I'm thinking off the top of my head. But if you tell me you have a fever, y'all, please, please sleep. Drink some water. Please sleep. I'm trying to think of another bad question. Is protein powder bad for you? Oh, God. No, it's poison. Don't ever have it. Like, what? It, it's literally just like powdered food, essentially, you know? You're only going to take everything that your doctor prescribes you, but you're not going to touch protein powder. Okay. Yeah. yeah how that that. Sense? Well, some, some things. Some things. I'm trying to think. There's another one. I mean, obviously, like, so is eating this many carbs bad for me? Is eating this much protein okay? If it was bad for you, we wouldn't tell you to do it. We want you to be healthy. Like, what? Which, again, like, I understand there's a lot of bullshit out there that could lead you to believe that. Yeah. But understand. There's a lot of bullshit out there. So yeah. understanding how to, like, again, this is also where coming, like, having a coach is very useful because we help, like, if you bring information to me, like, if you bring something to me that says and you're asking like so i read this and like it said like this about like this i'm not going to be like i might see like i might seem like i'm going to get frustrated here like just through this but if you bring information to me as a valid like as an honest to god question i'm going to walk you through it i'm not going to be upset because i'm glad you fucking brought the information to me rather than just taking it and running with it and i encourage my clients like if you ever have a question about anything please let me know even my in-person clients like i'm like you have my phone number. So if you have a question about anything, shoot me a text. Like I, I'm here, for, I'm here to help you through this, not just to like throw you to the wolves to the internet. And also with that, I will say that Google is a very good source of information. Just none of you guys are getting it from the right sources. Yeah. You have to know how to narrow down credible sources. It's very, I mean, you guys are just going to fucking healthline.com and we got questions. <laughs> Yeah, that's not the but not the best place to go. Hey Dawson, uh, Yahoo Yahoo answers that. Is creatine <laughs> steroid? I got that one. Is yes. creatine bad? Will it make me lose my hair? Like, is creatine gonna is creatine bad for my kidneys? I mean, not unless you have like kidney disease already or some you know something going on already. But I'm sure if you did, you That's would know about it. So literally, and even if you like, this is why you get blood work on kids. Exactly. Oh, do we have anything else here? Um, have you ever had a client say like, um, that they want someone else's shoulders or someone else's glutes yes. or something, and you're like, well, first of all, like genetically, like you don't even, like you couldn't even look like that. If you tried, like genetically, you're <laughs> completely different. 
like how do, you ever, how do you like explain that to someone because like my um the uh, client I'm currently working with like she told me that her goal body is to look like um Natasha OCO uh, I can't pronounce her last name this is so embarrassing but do you know what I'm talking about it's like O-C-E-A-N-E -E or something um Ooh, give me three seconds spell that last name one more time O-C-E um, -E, and her name is spelled N-A-T-A-C-H-A Oh, oh, okay. It's N-A-T-A-C-H-A dot O-C-E-A-N-E. If you're out there listening to this or like you get for this podcast, we're not trying to like yeah. rip you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, yeah. So like she basically was saying, um, because this is my current client and she was saying that to looking like her is that's her goal body. Um, and like, you know, I I totally get that, but like just looking awesome. at the way that um like Natasha is built, um, like she definitely has some different like genetic shape to Why her. Why her shoulders bigger than mine? Yeah, I know. I feel the same. <laughs> her shoulders are amazing, but um, yeah, everybody's like just built different, like their shape and everything. literally. And like, um, so basically, I said like you can only. I mean, I don't remember how I worded this, and this was a conversation that we had a long time ago. So I honestly don't remember what I said. But something along the lines of like everybody is built differently and um, we can only change basically how we look like based on how like we train, which muscles we prioritize. So I said, you know, the best we can do is train the muscles, prioritize the ones that you want more than others to bring those up so that you can look like your best you because you can't look like someone else. Um, so, yeah it's just important to have like those realistic expectations. Like, obviously, like I've catered her training program so that it brings up, you know, lagging body parts, because that's really important in any training program. Like with mine, for example, like quads and shoulders are like a huge priority. And it actually is in her program too. Um, quads, shoulders, arms, back, uh, and glutes, definitely glutes and, um, some hamstrings, because again, like for every person, like, it's just about getting that balance for your, about having like those proper ratios, you don't yeah. want to look like off kilter. It's going to look real funky. Not going to lie. Sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just, but like, you can't look like someone else, like yeah, everyone's bone structure is different. And like the origin and insertion of like muscles, um, and the shape of them, like the genetic shape of them, regardless of size, like, again, like that's just so, so individual and like everybody's height is different. Um, well, I mean, not everybody, some people are the same height, you know what I'm trying to say? Though. Like, but no, like I get you. Um, how I've navigated that question has, I think changed a bit because originally I would leave with that, um, how everyone is just built different and you, it's impossible to look like someone else. And instead I kind of lead it with, so usually the individual ends up sending me a picture of the person they want to like look like, or they end up like literally pointing at the said person they want to look like. So I've had it happen to some of my online clients and my in-person clients. So like, that's why I say that. So my first question to them is, so for example, say it's one of my online clients sent me a picture of like more, I'm just gonna say like a more like fit person, like a fit, healthy, athletic looking person. That's very vague, I know. So my first question to them is, so you want more like that athletic, strong look? And they're like, yeah, but I don't really want to be like big. So I go for, so you want more of that leaner, more defined look. 
and kind of, I try to narrow it down essentially is what I'm trying to get at here. Like I end up posing some of these questions here, trying to narrow down what they want to look for. And then I lead into that's, I think that's the great goal. I know that this is who you want to look like. And I think that's awesome. However, we can't compare ourselves to others because again, this is where I go into everyone's made differently. Everyone's bone structure differently and everyone just, that's not how all of us are meant to look like. And that's okay. But what we can do is try and find that look for you and what that look looks like for you and trying to find a place that you feel good with. So it's not exactly, it's not deflecting the question as much as it is realize, figuring out what they actually see in that person that they want, applying it to themselves and then going into why they can't look like that person, but they can look like themselves with that same thing they want to look like, if that makes sense. Yeah, like it's just about getting the, I think like you said before, like the ratios and proportions, right? Um, but it's going to look different on everyone, but it's yeah. about what that will look like for your client um, yeah, and about just making it the best for them. Yeah, it's like shifting that mindset away from like comparing themselves to others towards comparing themselves now to where they want to be almost. It's almost like if you had like a, a target, you're taking that target off that other individual and putting it back onto themselves, but like a few months down the line and turning it into a more tangible, like measurable thing. Yes, you can't like, you can't make it that measurable because you're never gonna, I take that back. You're not gonna be able to gauge what that looks like for you at first. However, it is a bit more measurable than like saying, oh, so-and-so looks like this and I still look like this. Or so-and-so looks like this now, but I still look like this. Like it doesn't, it doesn't add up here, kids. Yeah. I think like most of the time when people have a physique goal, like they need a lot more muscle than they think. Yes. You, yes. Um, which yes. means you need a lot more time. Um, and it means getting a little bit uncomfortable with, you know, a growing multiple growing, honestly, I'm going to say multiple growing phases. Um, and I know One a lot of people here. don't want to hear that. No, yes, you're right. But also, I think there's a big misconception out there that a growth phase or a bulk has to be like dirty, if that makes sense. Like you're just because you're going through a growth phase doesn't mean you're going to get fat. You probably yeah. have to put on a level, a solid level of body fat, honestly. Like I'm not going to lie there. Like that's yes, but you're not going to, you shouldn't get outright fat. It doesn't yeah. work. Like that's not how it should be. And I feel like a lot of, influencers out there and a lot of our current society has almost set, like shown that that is like the only way they've been able to do things yeah like you don't it's need, not right like you don't need to take it that far like because then you're just going to end up having to cut your bulk er, uh, early to cut because you put on too much body fucked up like and again like that's not to say that you know, even when you bulk the right way, like you are going to gain some body fat and you might exactly. be comfortable. Like I know for me, like for a while, like I really didn't put on much like fat on my stomach, but like over the past couple of like, I want to say like couple of weeks, like, um, and it's only like sometimes, but like, I've just like noticed like in like certain angles, like I can see, I have gained some fat around my stomach and like my sides. And like, I even noticed like a small like back roll of like back fat that I noticed in like one of my training videos um and so yeah I was just thinking like like uh, whoa like yikes but then I like stopped myself and I was like okay like 
I'm, first of all, I'm still like a, probably a little bit leaner than when I did my last bulk and I weigh a lot more. I've put on a lot muscle, a lot of muscle. My quads are still too small. My quads are still too small, but like I need to just suck it up and like deal with it. So we're chasing big quads here. What? We're chasing big quads. Yeah, that's it. Like nothing else doesn't matter about glutes don't matter. We just need quads. Like, (laughs) um, yeah, like actually I'm not doing anything like no direct glute training. Like it's literally quads and like mostly hamstrings. I mean, like some of the stuff, like obviously my glutes are being worked in the squat, but they're a quad bias squat. And like, same with Bulgarian split squats, but it's a quad biased variation. And then for like Romanian deadlifts, it's a hamstring bias variation. But again, like my glutes are still involved, but like my glutes continue to like grow anyway. But like, it's just that my hamstrings and quads need a lot more emphasis or like mm-hmm. ELC, I guess you could say, because those are like very far behind. So I don't even know where I was going with that, but um, <laughs> basically what I need to say is like, like, yes, I am. I have hit that point where like, I am uncomfortable, but at the same time, like I'm also like a far cry from where I want to be to where I know that if I were to cut that I would actually like have something to show for it that I'd be pleased with. So like, I really don't see a reason to cut unless like some biofeedback reason or like, obviously Brit says we're going to do a cut. That's, you know, that's her call, not mine. I'm just here to follow directions. Basically. Do the damn thing. Yeah. Like that's the, that's why I have a coach because I'm telling you, like if I was coaching myself, like I probably would have started a cut like several months ago. And that would have fucked me up. So that's why having a coach is very important because sometimes like our perception of ourselves is like a little bit warped in a way because like, and I will say for me, that's probably just because I have a past, um, like with an eating disorder, um, where like I spent years of my life, like very underweight. And so like, this is the highest I've ever been in weight. And so like, I will say I'm very uncomfortable, like, um, there are certain times where I absolutely hate my body. Like I'm just being real. Like I'm not like, I'm not saying that I hate myself. I don't hate myself, but there are certain times where I see my body and I'm just like, you know what? No. (laughs) And, but that again, but then I take it, like I take my power back and I say to myself, like, I, I have goals and this doesn't define me. It doesn't define my hard work. And sometimes I see myself and I'm like, I look great. And then, so it's like, I need to just not like act on or like overthink things and just like, yeah, I don't know, like not get upset about it because yeah. like, if you just like waste your time getting upset, like, first of all, you're supposed to enjoy the process of working hard and getting to your goals. It's not even supposed to be easy. Like this is literally the shit that makes it worth it. So. No, literally, I think. There's a lot of people who I do like that back and forth between the bulk and cut, bulk and cut. It just it takes so much time away from what they could be actually doing. And for me to kind of tie off of that is it wasn't so much that I was constantly in that cycle. It was just the fact that I wasn't, I was overthinking every bit of my own programming to the point where I wouldn't make a change. <laughs> and when I did make a change, it took me a long ass time to get to that point. So And honestly, for me, a solid bit of it was I just wasn't eating enough. Like, I didn't change my own macro intake for probably like six months. 
and I had nothing changed really. Like, yeah, I, I probably recomped my physique a solid bit, but really not as to the extent I probably could have. Um, and like the first thing like me and Ash did was kind of like bump calories and food and we've continued to do that. And I've kind of popped off, not actually, but a little bit more so than I was before. No, you um, did. You did pop off. Bro, I'm small shit though. So it kind of goes back to like, I've not gotten to a point where I'm coming. I'm uncomfortable yet. I'm actually honestly far from that point. And I think it's just because I started off when I was so, I was started off from such a lean point that it's going to be just a bit until I do find a point of just being uncomfortable. Because honestly, right now, like as I just grow a bit, I'm thriving. Like, dude, I fucking ripped a pair of joggers last week. And that was just funny as shit to me. Congratulations. (laughs) I put those things on. I heard like, I heard the stitches pop and I was like, God damn it. They were nice joggers. Too. Oh yeah, that's the worst part about this though. It's like when your favorite clothes like either don't fit or they literally like break. Like that's oh, the no, only I'm, part like, about I'm this. I'm amped because like, I get to upgrade my wardrobe. I'm so amped for this shit because I just get to like rehaul my wardrobe at this point. Yeah, I mean, true. That's that's a really positive way of looking at it, you know. Because like I think I some got- people wouldn't see it that way. They'd be like, "Oh man, like I got to spend more money and stuff." And like I get that, but at the same, like for oh. me, that's. Like for me, that is actually my struggle. But at the same time, like I love that feeling of like getting new clothes at the same yep. time. Like when I genuinely need new clothes and then I try them on and I'm like, this looks so good, you know? So. No, literally like I got this hoodie like a few weeks ago and it was like, it was, it's a medium hoodie. So it was a bit oversized. I mean, it was really baggy. It's almost too tight with the shirt on underneath now. And it's only been a few weeks. I'm here for it, but I like this hoodie. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you'll have to get like a size up or something or like Sad. multiple sizes. Sad. I'm honestly, I'll probably just order multiple sizes because I'm a dumbass like that. It's worth it though, because True. then you have like options, you know, and then when you go up a size, like you'll already be prepared, you know. I'll fully admit, like sometimes I do spend a little bit much on clothing. Again, like not like an, I'm not spending like an astronomical amount, just relative to me right now, I do occasionally spend a little bit on clothes but i also need to rehaul our wardrobe so we kind of have a valid point here i'm not gonna lie yeah i mean if you need new clothes like you need new clothes i mean you can't i can't walk around with the hole in my joggers in the ass yeah it's not socially acceptable apparently yeah Yeah, i mean that that don't don't quote me on that one please I mean, like, I've had, like, pants, like, rip in, like, really awkward places, like, so, yeah, um, so I just, like, was, like, screw it, I'm just gonna get another size, and also, like, certain, um, like, shirts, like, I can't even get my arm through the sleeve, like, I've, so I'm just, like, for, like, for a while when that would happen, like, I was just, like, oh, wow, like, this sucks, but, like, now I'm just, like, congratulations to me, like, sucks up, boys! Yeah, like that's kind of what's supposed to happen. Like I'm actually trying to like put on some size here. So, and like, I know that like the majority of it is muscle because like I can actually like feel hard muscle. It's not like mashed potato. It's like muscle. You know what I mean? Like a complete side note here. Speaking of mashed potato. So one of my clients the other night was like, Dawson, what's cream of rice look like? Like what's the texture look like? What's it look like? What's the flavor profile? Because I never, never had cream of rice before. So I made cream of rice that night. I sent her a picture of it. And she's like, Dawson, it looks like mashed potatoes. It's like, you just ruined my cream of rice for me. But yes, 
Yes, it does. Anyway, continue. Like, yeah, I get you. Like, sizing up clothes for me right now is like, I'm thriving. Mediums aren't dresses on me anymore. That's great. Yeah, I recently had to go up to like mediums for certain shirts. Um, Not all. Some of them like are still small, but like I can fit into some mediums and I'm just like, not bad. Good job. Like, because, you know, like that's a first for me. Um, And then also like, oh, I can hear myself echoing for a second. Okay. Has that ever happened to you where you can like hear? It throws me off. Yeah, it just like happened for a second and then it stopped. Um, but yeah, so I'm just like the the issue though is gonna be when I have to go up to if I do have to go up to mediums and like leggings, it's gonna be that the waist is too big, but then everything else is like the right size or like slightly too tight. Um, because I like naturally have like that sort of like hourglass X frame, like genetically mm-hmm. I just do, like even before I had like muscle, like I've always kind of had that sort of shape. So I've always had that issue, but now it's just like way more like pronounced. So no, like literally I can only honestly at this point wear one clothing brand because it's almost like tailored to more muscular physiques, if that makes sense. Because any other normal jogger or pair of pants, again, like, as you said, the waist doesn't fit, but everything else does almost too much where these like the waist is still a bit loose but it fits every like it fits everything else comfortably so i'm here for it they're also medium so like i'm vibing that's great these for a little bit oh yeah the other issue about going up in like pants sizes is um like for short people especially like have you rent have you had this issue where like the Uh pants are too long luckily Uh my mom is pretty good at sewing so she knows how to like hem them but I, it's just like, I wish I didn't have to go through that process. Like, it's just so irritating, but, um, yeah, no, like I'm, I'm short. So like, <laughs> I've been kind of rolling up my pant legs, but there's a little, like, there's some scrunches at the bottom where I'm kind of hiking them up a little bit at the bottom. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah. It's, it's a struggle boys, but you know what we're making it happen. Yeah, it's okay. I, I Sizing like, up your clothes is not a bad thing or something to be scared of. Yeah. Also, I was going to Growing say, should not be scary. Or it's okay to be scary, but it should be something you should absolutely fear. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, oh, oh, yeah, but I was going to say that, like, for... Um, I feel like being short and a bodybuilder, like, I feel like that's a pretty good mix. Because, again, like, I think I said this once before, but, like, a little bit of muscle gain goes a long way because it, like, it's, like, less surface area to like spread out. So like a pound of muscle gain for a short, short person, like you can see that, like, it looks kind of, I'm not gonna say like drastic, but like more drastic on a short person than a tall person. So yeah, I was actually funny as like fucking funny as shit because I was thinking that exact same thing the other day. I was like, I, I hate being only like five, six. I'm not gonna say five, five, it's five, six. But again, as you just said, I'm able to get, not get away with it. It's just how it works. But if I was like 6'2 or 6'4, filling out that frame is going to take a lot more time and effort than it is going to be filling out my short ass frame. Short frame, not my short ass frame. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. Yeah, no, like I'm the same way. Like 
I think that like that's I'm not going to say that that's like attributed to why I progress pretty quickly. Um, I would say that it's mostly my training and my yeah. and maybe like a sprinkle of some genetics in certain muscle groups like my back. But I will say that um, I would say maybe these like appearance, like I would say that the appearance, like a little bit of muscle does go a long way appearance wise. So that's why like sometimes I do look a little bit different week to week to week to week like bigger in size muscle wise, because again, like, yes, the scale is going up. Yes. I'm gaining muscle. Um, and so that little, little bit, like just a fraction of a little bit, you can actually like see it. If you like, like pay attention, you like look closely, like you can actually see those changes. Whereas like if I were taller, it would take, like, I could still be gaining the same amount of muscle. It just wouldn't be as like, obvious. Yeah. No, dude, I totally get that. No, that's, yeah. And I've always like really disliked my height too. Like it's always been like a, like a, I don't know, like just like a, I don't know, something I just don't like. Um, But like, I've, I've kind of just come to terms with it. And I'm like, this is the only time in my life where it's actually been like a positive, like with bodybuilding, where it's actually, I feel like beneficial, like given me just maybe like that little fraction of a, of an edge yeah I totally get that like again like same thing kind of it's not to our advantage but at the same time it does kind of help things out yeah yeah I definitely agree that's what I'll say there yeah sometimes it again kind of sucks when you buy clothes now because like again some things just don't add up proportionally but that's okay. We're not yeah. ripping shit here. Yeah. It's been really hard to find like sports bras that fit my lats. That's been a huge struggle. That's fair. It's very fair. At this point for me, it's obviously pants because my waist just doesn't exist. Um, but also just like my shoulders and my back almost. Like the, my upper back and my shoulders kind of make sure it's like not ride up but they'll make the sleeves just like that happens to me too like t-shirts like it's uncomfortable like it just it almost feels like it's like squeezing in my like 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 wraps up around like your upper arm yeah i guess that's a good thing i mean it's a good thing yeah again gotta upgrade that uh wardrobe as we upgrade our physique yeah So I think that's everything for today. Um, yeah. Um, thanks y'all for sticking around. If you made it this far, like you're yeah. a legend. We rambled for, wait, okay. So we started this podcast at 423. Um, it's almost hey. in two hours. <laughs> so thanks y'all for tuning in here. Again, if you made it this far, you're a legend. Take a screenshot and uh, add to your Instagram story and um. We'll reshare you to be part of the two two hour club. That's the thing now. Yeah. Um, also, again, if you guys got any topics or anything you want us to flesh out or discuss on, let us know. Let us know. DM us, whatever. And yeah, thanks y'all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.